You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and talk with a battery specialist, you need to do that because these guys are very knowledgeable about every kind of battery, hence the name Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera to your rangefinder, any battery that you need, these guys can help you find. Even if it's a specific, unique, one-off battery, these guys can help you find what you need. If you want to find out more information on Interstate Batteries, about their brand, about their history, about the company in general, and all the batteries they offer, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up here! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. In this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, we have got Colby, the Bear Tech Moorhead of Bear Hunting Magazine on the show if you've been a listener of the bear hunting magazine podcast or you take bear hunting magazine you should recognize colby's voice colby has been a huge asset to the houndsman xp podcast when we started he uh, helped us with a lot of technical issues and things like that Uh, everything from equipment lists to tips and tricks on editing colby's a great guy, and we're going to showcase the Bear Tech. He has uh, been a behind-the-scenes guy, but he has a great story. He's always offered very valuable insight to a lot of things, and he didn't disappoint in this podcast either. So, Colby comes from a uh, East Texas background. We're born and raised in East Texas, coon hunter, hog hunter. Uh, he's in his work with Bear Hunting Magazine. He's been on. Uh, some different adventures for them and he's going to share his insight with us on hound hunting as well so stay tuned you're going to love it before we get that podcast though 
I want to draw your attention to our friends at Dogs Are Treed. You can find Dogs Are Treed at dogsartreed.com. You can check them out on social media, both on Facebook and Instagram. Follow those platforms. You'll get all the latest updates. We got some big news coming out. I want you to stay tuned uh, in the upcoming weeks for a big announcement on a partnership between Dogs Are Treed and Houndsman XP. Kevin and Nancy Hall have become great friends of mine. I love doing business with people that I can also share friendship with. So Dogs Are Treed is the home of the great product. Paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up. Get those free feet preconditioned on your dogs and um, you're going to have more days in the field and a better working dog that can pursue the game for you day after day. So build your pack from the ground up. They're also building the highest quality travel tieouts, leashes that you can possibly find anywhere. I'm using the four dog tieout right now. It's a super product. They've already made improvements on it since I got mine. It looks great. You won't be disappointed in that or their leashes. So check out all their products at dogsartreed.com. Also want to give a shout out to Stickbow Outdoors. Go to stickbow.com and purchase your hound log journal, the hound log, and start journaling every hunt that you take. I promise you it will not only give you an opportunity to immortalize those hunts that you're taking, but it will make you a better houndsman. You get a week away from a hunt and you think about the things that you could have done or should have done or how a dog performed, and it gets lost in the sauce, folks. If you're truthful with yourself and you document every hunt, you will be able to see progress in your pack and evaluate your hunts, evaluate your hounds. They also offer the medical log journal. Don't ever worry about when your vaccines were given last, when your dog was in heat last, uh, medication schedules, none of that. You can put that in your in your uh, stick bow outdoors canine medical records and have it right in front of you. Also, shout out to this great organization, Freedom Hunters. Field to field, they're taking America's warriors from field to field, taking them off the battlefield and putting them in the field to hunt fish and reconnect with civilian life and also start a lifestyle in this hunting community. Go to Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org and start promoting and supporting that organization today. Here we go with Colby Moorhead, the Bear Tech. Enjoy, folks, and thank you for spending your time with Houndsman XP. Uh, we have got Colby, the Bear Tech Moorhead, on the podcast. Uh, for those of you that have listened to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast or subscribed to the Bear Hunting Magazine, Colby's the guy behind the scenes. Uh, but you have made several appearances. How many, how many podcasts have you produced for Bear Hunting Magazine now, Colby? most of them <laughs> probably <laughs> i don't know maybe a hundred <laughs> yeah how, how many how many total how many total episodes have there been of bear hunting magazine podcast 
We ended on 115, and I think, man, way back when, I think the first podcast I worked on was with the one with Orly Province. That was right after I started at the magazine. Um, yeah. Mountain Hunter. And, uh, yeah, man, I I went back and listened to it the other day. Things, I've gotten a lot better. <laughs> it's a crap. <laughs> yeah, well, like I was telling you off air, the reason I've always appreciated what you contributed to the podcast. Uh, you know, you, you didn't say a whole lot, but when you said stuff on there or made comments on there, it always seemed like it was well thought out. It was deliberate. Uh, and it was it was valuable, and and so I just wanted to have you on the podcast and and kind of talk about the pre Bear Hunting Magazine days, talk about uh, your adventures with Bear Hunting Magazine, and uh, what you've done with with hounds and hunting with hounds since since you came to Bear Hunting Magazine, but also prior to. So give us a little background on on Colby the Bear Tech Moorhead. Uh, yeah, I mean I grew up in East Texas. And my dad is like everybody around us would always call him like the the Daniel Boone of, of East Texas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was always in the woods, and so I mean, really, like that was a way for us to really connect. And so I think uh, even inside the magazine, that I mean, you know, Clay's dad plays a lot inside of his inside of his stuff. But I mean, like my dad does too. Um, because it's like that's how I learned how to build more relationship, you know. And yeah. so my filter for for hunting became, oh, this is how we build relation, and this is how we stay in contact with friends. Um, and you know, growing up, I had to, as I grew, I had to learn to expand outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, I I just remember, like in regards to hounds, we uh we used to coon hunt like crazy yeah. <laughs> whenever yeah. I was here in uh in East Texas. I mean, I just remember, man, I remember the guys. I remember, like, sometimes just to run the dogs, run the hounds. We would just, we would let them go run out around the house and just listen to them ball at night. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. And then they would come back. But we uh, we started out with walkers and, uh, you know, just ran walkers. We had a, you know, a group like you always do that, that hunted with us. And we would meet up and just, you know, I mean... Man, I, I lost a lot of weight in elementary school. <laughs> We'd be out till like two or three in the morning, and I I would I'd just get up and go to school the next day. It was like totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you had but, better no. stories to tell at recess and on the lunch around the lunch table. That's for sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, the Sulphur River bottoms of East Texas. <laughs> nice. Is uh, yeah. are coons the only thing that you uh, you ran with hounds in East Texas? man for a while but then we really got into running hogs and so uh the first hog dog my dad ever had was a a Calahula named joe and uh man i got a lot of memories of that my mom tells a story you know he just he was more than just a hog dog he was a family dog you know and so my mom had one of her favorite stories is how that that hog dog would uh, there was a dog that followed me to get on the bus one morning and then joe broke off his chain and went and just pinned him down and then whenever the bus, I got on the bus and it left, he just let the dog up and walked away. <laughs> he was like, my dad would hook him up to a little red wagon and pull us off. Like he would just say, take off and pull us off throughout the yard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We used to run, run hogs. I mean, it was still over East Texas and we did a lot of trapping as well. We ended up for a while running black mouth curves and, um, for our bay dogs. 
and so man we would just gallivant all over east texas um you know we had a couple of guys that that we hunted with and uh man it was a lot of fun you know and we we got to where we would you know in texas it gets a lot warmer than it does in a lot of other regions in the u.s and so whenever it would get hot and the dogs were panting too much and and just staying too hot um we would start hunting them at night right. <laughs> so there's something about hunting hogs at night that's <clears throat> You know, it's pretty, it's different. People think you're hardcore when you hunt them at night. <laughs> yeah, walking into a bay yeah, up, walking yeah. into a hog bay up during the day is intense. But when you go in at night, that holds a whole, that, that raises it to another dimension. Yeah, they're a lot more manageable at night, though. They don't seem, they seem a lot more calm, mm-hmm. you know. And so. Uh, well, it's like anything yeah. in the dark, though. You know, it's a. Uh, it's the boogeyman and, and you can't see and, and we are visual creatures. And, and so it's easy to let the, uh, the demons run wild in your head at, at night. So, yeah, I tell you, I, uh, it's a lot different walking through the woods with hounds than it is just walking through the woods on your own. I would be a, a lot more worried about being around like a, a hog that might be a little bit more aggressive by myself, but Man, I remember like running a hog once, running hogs one time, and you know you always have these close calls. And man, the only reason I didn't get cut was because a dog kind of cut that hog off and veered him off, you know, to the side because he missed me by probably three feet. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> had the same. I've had the same thing happen with bears. You know, a bear that's that's baited up, and if you hadn't had a dog there. Uh, I would have come out of that with some teeth marks or some some scratches for sure. So, no yeah. doubt. You know, our culture is is kind of a uh, is 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 lacking in some ways. You talk about being out at night by yourself. Other cultures have like this rite of passage to manhood, and um, we don't really have that in the American culture. If you take like the uh, the Cherokee Indians, you bring that up, but one of their rites of passage was to take a young man out or a young kid out and put him on the trail on a trail somewhere and have him sit there all night by himself Mm -hmm. and uh develop those skills and overcome his fears and and different things like that so we don't really have anything structured in our culture that that other than you turn 18 and you can join the military and you know but i think that's something we're lacking in our culture but uh, you're you're definitely dead on about being out there at night especially when you're by yourself and a field mouse crawling through the leaves sounds like a, a rampaging lion or an elephant you know it's it's different yeah, yeah you know that, that's a good point you know i think if you're thinking about manhood it's like manhood defined as an age is is kind of an odd odd perception you know yeah. because uh i mean really manhood is a is a sign of maturity of like and so being in a situation to where you're putting uh in an instance to where you would have to confront and overcome a fear you know it's like that's something that speaks to an aspect of what a culture would value inside of manhood you know you know you're always thinking about the uh the indians you know the the native american they called them braves (laughs) right yeah I, i think that's a i think that's something that just marks something that's important to general culture overall and something they value inside of of a definer of the men of their, you know, their environment. 
That's deep. That's why I have the bear tech on the podcast right there for, <laughs> for comments like that. That's it. You hit a home run, buddy. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So, so tell us about your journey and how you got how you got roped into or recruited or out of desperation you took a job with Bear Honey Magazine. <laughs> Man, I tell you, I worked an IT job in Dallas for seven years. And, uh, man, it was a great job. It was a good environment. Like, it was one of those jobs that you could really see yourself being there for a lifetime, you know, just growing with the company. And, uh, and they were in a lot, they had a lot of growth going on. You know, I made really good money. <laughs> right. But I went on a, I've known Clay for, man, I don't know. I think I met him, I met Clay in 2007, uh, before he had the magazine just through, uh, church functions. And, uh, you know, we just kind of like kept in touch later on. Um, well, let's, 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 a, let's showcase that a little bit. Cause I don't think we've brought up the man, the myth, the legend, the outdoor industry juggernaut, Clay Newcomb. Okay. So <laughs> I always forget about context sometimes <laughs> <laughs> or most of the time I forget about, Oh yeah, there's a context behind this. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah. you knew Clay Newcomb from, uh, these other functions and, um, uh, so just pick it up from there. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I met Clay, um, you know, some church functions before he owned Bear Hunting Magazine. And, uh, you know, there's not, like, in that circle, there's just not a whole lot of people that hunt. So if you have a couple of guys that hunt, it's like, oh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to talk and there's going to be something. Um, you know, it's going to lead into other discussions that you wouldn't typically have in those those areas. And so... You know, just I started tracking him whenever he bought the magazine or acquired the magazine or, you know, that whole deal. Um, I I really started tracking him and I started subscribing to the magazine and I actually wouldn't even read it. It was just one of those things like, hey, he's he's entering into this new phase of life and I just want to support him. And so I would I would subscribe to the magazine and honestly not even open it for years. And then uh, when he started making the YouTube videos and put them on the bear hunting magazine channel, YouTube channel. I, uh, I started watching those and I got more and more curious about, about bear hunting. And, you know, really that seems like something exotic from someone that grows up in East Texas. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that don't even see bears when they have a good population around, around them in the areas that they, that they've grown up in just because they're such a low density animal. And so, um, and so it was something like, man, this might actually be something. I've never thought about it, but I might actually, man, I think I might want to kill a bear. Especially, right. and I think the kicker for me was when I found out that they're good, you know, to eat because I'm, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm more of a, a freezer filler than anything. Like, I like to fill the freezer more so than, like, trying to find new challenges, you know, uh -huh. and uh, inside of hunting because it was always, like, growing up, it was always a utility um, it was something that we, we found resource inside of when I was born, my dad was a commercial fisherman. And so, okay. that, yeah, so that's kind of like, and he would trap and everything. So that's kind of the, the culture that, that I came into that was even, you know, it, I mean, he was fishing for Buffalo with nets and right. like the, uh, Buffalo, the fish. Right. Um, and so that just created that culture inside of me that valued, like, you know, if I'm going to shoot it probably going to eat it or somebody is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was, you know, ignorant to, 
black bear and the and the benefits of them and just how much you can utilize one and so once i found that out i was like all right man i really would be up for this and uh i actually clay had sent a message out about that saskatchewan hunt where the bear bumped the end of his bow Mm -hmm. um looking for guys to go and i was going to go on that one but it just it didn't feel like the right time so the next year things lined up and i went on a hunt with him in thompson manitoba um up in canada and so it was a 24-hour one-way drive (laughs) so if we didn't know each other before man we really got to know each other on that on that trip uh you know once you get past winnipeg like man like all of a sudden there's not much not much up there (laughs) it's like we flat we're what do we do other than just change a tire yeah anyways so i really got to know clay a lot deeper on that on that trip and uh man after that it just felt like that was something that that i needed to do almost like i was like man this is kind of like my calling <laughs> right. not to not to be like in front of the cameras or you know a hunt you know in front of the camera hunter or anything like that just like you know this feels like something that i want to be a part of and so we started talking about it and it was just clear it's like he really needs someone at the magazine and uh i just i felt like that was the right event for my life that that was the course and the architecture that would help me grow and mature you know as a person and uh you know just being attached to clay and just having somebody that you can build closer with really helps develop you when you when you have an intentional relationship for for that type of growth and uh so yeah man i i uh owned a house in dallas i sold it yeah left the job and moved to Fayetteville. <laughs> so so flying. you you didn't lose your job. You chose to quit your job and go to work at Bear Honey Magazine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they were actually really supportive. The company I left, I, I walked into my manager's office and I, I was like, hey, uh, I need to put in my notice. And then he looked at me and then he looked back at his <laughs> computer and then it registered and looked back real shocked. It's like what he actually yeah. said that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so i uh i'm going I to work like, for yeah. bear honey magazine <laughs> man i i said that he's like well i'm not mad at you that sounds great sounds like right right up your alley yeah and uh i i've never left a place on such good terms i was a project manager inside of that department and i uh you know i, I told him i was like man, I, I don't want to put in a two-week notice. I want to finish what I started. So this project, if I didn't finish it, it would set them back because, I man, I had this thing lined out. And so I think I ended up staying for like a month to finish yeah. that project, just not working on anything else. And, uh, you know, they took the department out for lunch whenever I left. And, man, it was just like a really good experience, not from just like the standpoint of relocating to um, Fayetteville and the magazine, but also just like ending a process really well and, and correctly. Cause I feel like that's just as much, there's just as much of an importance on finishing a process as to moving into some new transition of life you know? right. and not losing that. I think that shows you a lot about you know, even your personal development, you know, cause there's other jobs I haven't left that well in the past. Sure. So, yeah. 
And so when you showed up at the Bear Honey Magazine Global Headquarters, there was a lot of fanfare and uh, probably a parade. And <laughs> Clay hands you a camera and a Zoom recorder and says, Welcome to Bear Honey Magazine. <laughs> but, yeah, except the Zoom recorder was a different one and not that great. <laughs> and I was welcomed by Jed. Yeah. The bear. I mean, the, the coon dog. Jed right. Fern. Yeah. The plot plot hounds. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. Well, Colby, yeah. uh, you know, share share with us. Uh, I, I kind of want to talk, continue this conversation, but I also want to talk about give us your favorite adventure. Let's well, let's scrap that for just a second. Let's bring our audience up to speed with what is going on with the Bear Honey Magazine podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's gone. <laughs> Good no, deal. We, uh, <laughs> short, short and sweet. <laughs> no, um, no. So inside of the process, inside the magazine, there became there was an opportunity extended to Clay to join the mediator crew, and uh, inside of that, we saw it as a, a good way to. It would be good to have that alongside the magazine as as something that he was really excited about and passionate about. And it would also make it to where, you know, I take more of a responsibility inside the magazine, and which is another opportunity to grow. Sure. For me. Um, and just, I mean, really, it just seemed like the right transition to mm-hmm. make. And um, and I, I think even though it's been kind of a long time in the making and we've known about it for a while, uh, it kind of feels like we're still in the beginning of that transition and figuring out what it actually looks like. Um, what we do know is that the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast needed to come to an end and then there's going to be a new podcast with meat eater that that clay is going to have and uh that's something we said on the the last podcast um for the bear hunting magazine um sign off (laughs) right uh yeah we're really excited to see where that goes i mean it's not like in one regard it it feels like uh it feels like kind of a loss because the bear hunting magazine podcast right isn't going to have a podcast anymore but really from a listener standpoint it's like you're still going to have clay you're still going to have whatever that format looks like and you know everything clay does is going to be authentic and it's going to represent mm-hmm. something that's coming out of him and so i mean there's not there shouldn't be any loss for that i mean it's still an extension of bear hunting magazine because clay's at the core of the magazine and still, you know, he's still doing the content for the magazine and putting that together. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we're really excited to see just, you know, where that goes. And, so you're uh, looking at the beginning of a new journey or, or yeah. a, you know, a, a new trail that you just found that you've got to find your way down the trail. And and uh, I don't want to take away from the reason I wanted to have you on is I wanted to have I wanted to showcase the Bear Tech. You know, Clay, Clay gets all kinds of fanfare. We don't need to toot his horn for him. Uh, no, seriously. I mean, Clay was instrumental. You were instrumental in helping us develop and get this podcast started. We'll for always or forever be indebted to you and and uh, and Clay for your help to get us started. And so, yeah. I just I wanted to spend some time talking to you and give us an idea of of what your role was with the bear hunting magazine podcast yeah 
I would uh, I would edit and produce everything, and that and and uh, that was about it. I mean, that does create a lot of work, but it was all in that post production. You know, sometimes I would write out the the titles and the summaries, um, but it's something that Clay and I would work on together a lot. Um, you know, I I was so the quality got better once I started producing it because I did research and found better equipment to use and then I found new processes to use on how to edit and manipulate the the audio itself even to the point where I remember one time I had to go and and take a phone ringing out of the background right and I felt so successful like that was one of the first things that I did that I just felt like I had accomplished something because I opened it up and there was this like spectrograph that that was all red and you could just see them in there and just being able to go outline them and cut them out and then not sounding like anything was ever there was one of the coolest things <laughs> you know <laughs> and just adding out background noise and uh and everything uh and just seeing that thing grow and i mean even to this point there's there's podcasts that i produce and edit on the side that uh you know that that thing keeps on growing because that's not a skill that that I necessarily like want to lose and become rusty in, um, and it is a good resource for other people. So I, uh, yeah, I have like I think three other podcasts that I'm editing right now mm-hmm. consistently, and and just continuing to grow inside of that because that's another. I mean that helps on inside of our, uh, the videos that are produced and everything as well, and uh, yeah, it's that's one of the things that's been really good about the magazine is it's growing. Uh, my skill in other areas um, from that to um, visually like uh, you know I do um, I'm involved in most of the filming that goes on um, even for the the videos that Clay's producing now um, and uh, anything inside the magazine so I, you know I'm also playing photographer I got a, a good camera and am beginning to learn the you know kind of the art on how to do things in post you know there's so much complexity inside of photography it's crazy because it's like it's not just framing it out it's making sure the right thing you want's in focus and then also there's an art to the to post production mm-hmm. and so uh and and so those are a, a lot of challenges that are helping me grow just creatively you know right and i think that's the biggest thing is just you know i went from uh from a job to where I had to be creative and how I manage my time and flow and and approach some sort of challenge and then now I'm more on the like creative side of like creativity means like actually like artistic kind of things or right. those types of skills yeah and so I think it's just expanding this whole creative thing um, inside of me which has been it's, it's been fun too you know so, <laughs> so so give our audience an idea of the amount of work that goes into producing just a single episode of a podcast. I, I, a lot of times, you know, when, when we're on the listening end of a podcast, we're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And and I don't want to be self-serving and, and go on the mic and tell people, but I thought it would be good for somebody like you who uh, is doing it to give our audience yeah. just, a, just a general idea of what it, what it takes. Oh, man, it, it really is a case-by-case basis. And so sometimes you go in there and it's not a long process, but sometimes it's, it could take hours. It just depends on how, if you have to scrub through and try to take out noises 
it depends if there's a lot of things that you need to edit out that don't really fit, you know, fit the nature of that podcast. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if I had a podcast that I needed to work on that didn't require any editing or in, or inserting any ads or anything, I could probably have it done in, you know, depend on its lethal, like, you know, five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. There's been time it takes hours. And so you just never know. Um, but I mean, there's times where you have to go in and cut, like really manipulate, um, the sound that comes out because a mic was too hot or a mic was too soft or, you know, you have like a lot of peaking or, or someone talks in a way where they talk real low and then all of a sudden they're real loud and then you have to go and create a new ceiling for the, those audio waves. Right. Um, and so, I mean, ultimately, I mean, if I want to like, nerd out i guess uh the things that i always do is i do like a hard limiter which that is that's taking off the really high points so if somebody hits their mic like it gets a consistent top to the actual vocal stuff or if somebody laughs like it's way louder than everything else and so i'm getting rid of those volumes and then i'm going to go in and cut out frequencies that aren't inside of the human voice that much wow um You're way more advanced. You're way more advanced than anything we're doing at the Houndsman XP podcast. And that's, that's why you guys have been so successful. Um, what about, what about managing clay? (laughs) Cause he can be, he can be, uh, I mean, he's, he's got such a wide range and, and honestly, you know, I, I watch and listen to how clay has been successful and his voice inflections and different stuff. I, I know they have had to have uh, caused you a lot of extra work and challenges in post-production. Yeah, it helps me grow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, I mean, really, like, you know, those things do make it to where where I found this process. I mean, uh, even, like, I think the biggest thing is just where to put your mic, you know, because you'll hear a lot of podcasts where you just hear heavy breathing, you mm-hmm. know, and then another thing would be to stay hydrated. So you're not hearing a lot of mouth sounds. Um, just things like that. I mean, right. I mean, really like I'm not managing clay. I just give him tips and I hear, you, you. know, I was just, and he just, you know, I'm not going to, yeah, you know, I'm not yeah. going to pass up the opportunity to give, give clay a little bit of grief. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. He appreciates that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about some, I want to talk about, your personal growth as a hunter uh yeah as a person who has taken a job where it wasn't about whether or not you felt like going hunting or or anything like that it was like this is my job and i've got to go do it how does that how is that let's talk about the bear techs transition and your growth within hunting yeah yeah you know really that process started several years or probably about three years before before I started the magazine when it mm-hmm. wasn't on the radar. Um, I came to a point I had realized that I always just tagged along with my dad. And there's things that, you know, yeah, I had shot a lot of things and could get it done, but I had never taken personal responsibility for growing inside mm-hmm. of it. I just, you know, tagged along. And so about three three years before I'm before I came to the magazine you know, all of a sudden it's like, I realized I had never skinned a deer by myself. My dad was just 
he's so good that it's easier just to let him go and do everything. And so all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was like, hey, I got to start taking some personal responsibility and learn uh, my ways of doing things, you know. And it's not even about just taking over what he does. It's like, but in, how do I want to do it? And uh, even how I break down different muscle groups, like do I grind everything or not, you know. It's, for me, it started with the actual, like, um, processing and, mm-hmm. and processing of the meat. And so that was something that was important to me. And then I started building my my tools. So, like, you know, I got a bow that – I bought my first bow that wasn't passed down to me. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go get what I want and uh, and what fits me well. And so it was just one of those things It's like I know that for me to be successful and feel good about this, I need to make it a personal investment. It needs to cost me something. And so that was a, a process that – was really beneficial i remember the first like that first year when i had decided to where i had decided to actually start processing the things on my own and not just with my dad <laughs> there was right. one week and we ended up we ended up shooting five pigs in i think a day and uh and we weren't running dogs or anything it was just like the pigs were really there <laughs> yeah you're a baconator so, yeah so that was like a trial by fire <laughs> right um, and it just continued to grow, and I continued to be intentional, picking my own spots to hunt, um, you know, on private land. You know, there's not a ton of public land in Texas. And, uh, you know, just con- just began to build those things. Um, once I came into the magazine, the the type of hunting that that Clay was moving into with the magazine was more of a Western hunt. And so the biggest wake-up call for me was the first time we went on in Montana. We put we pulled mules up to Montana and hunted out there. The <laughs> I, I had a week's notice, right? And uh, and I you know whenever we got on this, you were like, man, you lost weight. It's like, man, when I I was uh, whenever I started at the magazine, I came from a desk job, and you know. Whenever I went deer hunting, I was riding folders around private land and everything. Right. And all of a sudden, I had to do this western hunt. Man, if it hadn't been for the mules, I'd have died. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had we went up there, and man, after the first day, it was just all mental, you know. And that that was one of the things that that I realized I really had, and uh, was I had a strong mental game whenever it, and just like a, a drive to persevere. Because after the first day, I was like, my body was dead, you know, and yeah, I think yeah. it was like a six, five or six day hunt. And so we rode mules and that was, you know, I had ridden a mule for like 30 minutes before then, <laughs> right? just yeah. to see if I could. And so it was just another kind of trial by fire. And that's the video where I actually fell off the mule. Yes, it is. I remember it. it. Yeah. And Clay laughs at me. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh. You'd never you'd never ridden that mule before, had you? I had ridden him for thirty minutes before we like the week before we left. Oh, so you put him you got him out for a thirty minute trial and then you're good. Yeah. Let's go to the mountains. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Clay <laughs> was watch, Clay was mostly watching my demeanor, um, inside of that process of uh you know, he's just looking at how I would handle a mule. And one of the things that's really valuable that I've always 
that people have always valued inside of me and, you know, Berkeley said was my ability to, to take correction or, or listen to instruction and actually do it, you know, mm-hmm. and not with just what's said, but understanding the meaning behind what's said. And, uh, and so he gave me this, this kind of like five minutes coaching before then. He's like, <laughs> Hey, you are the boss of this mule. It's like, he's like, don't be afraid of like seeming like you're mean. It's like you had, and not that I was mean or anything, but right. he was just like these these animals. They operate on a hierarchy, and so they have to know that you're boss. So he's like, if you try to get them to walk through a through a stream, you're gonna have to be more stubborn. And it's like if they don't want to go through it, you just don't let them turn their head. You know, it's like you have to be forceful and just just make sure they're lined up and don't give them another option and exactly. not like mean or whipping them or anything just like you have to be like stubborn as a mule <laughs> when I, when i was riding mules and breaking my own mules and stuff you know i remember times you know like jumping across a stream that's not acceptable you know if they if they can jump across a small ditch of water they will try it mm-hmm. and so what do you do you go back and you face it and and we would trail ride together and we would you know we would break these mules together and and um there were times when people would just ride off and leave me because this mule is going to do this the way that it's acceptable to do it and we're going to be here until that is accomplished yeah so it's very important especially with a mule because if they can take an inch if you give them an inch you know the old adage give them an inch they'll take a mile yeah it's true and uh and so you know he saw that that not only that but that i was also like i wasn't taking anything off the mule but i was also like he could see i understood like this is a powerful animal this could get dangerous right <laughs> you know? right and so when we got out there man after the first day we had to do a lot of walking too and uh i my legs were just shaking like my quads mm-hmm. and my legs were dead from the and, uphill or the downhill, which is, downhill. which, yeah, downhill. that's the thing that nobody ever takes into consideration. Yeah. You need just as many muscles to go down those steep inclines as you do to go up. Yeah, and I'm a flatlander for the most part. I'm from East Texas, just moved to Arkansas. I don't even have a grass <laughs> for the Arkansas mountains. Take me Montana. <laughs> Anyways, if I didn't have trekking poles, I don't know that I would have made it. Um, they helped me a ton. And, uh, you know, that, that is one of my best memories because it was kind of a benchmark for when things started changing. You know, it's like, oh, I have a new challenge I have to I have to go about. And then from there, I just, I became intentional about hiking and doing weighted hikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually lost 40 pounds. Uh, ever since I quit going to out to the magazine every day, I'm, I haven't found my, my uh, good rhythm yet of like, how to how to mix being active with do, managing the magazine from here and everything. So I put a little bit on, but it'll yeah. come back. <laughs> there you but, go. Uh, but I'm, you know, there's this attitude to where I know that a lot of guys and even me, when like whenever I would go on a Western hunt before, it would be that I would really be focused on getting into shape and ready for that. Like I would have a goal that. I needed to be to this level by then, and I would meet it, but then it mm-hmm. would just, I would come back and it would go back to the way it was. 
And so now the challenge is, it's like, I have to go from like goal oriented to lifestyle. And so I have to live my way, my life in a way to where it's like, I need to always be ready, you know, and I'm still searching for what that looks like for me. Um, Because you copying somebody else, you know, you're just, that's not really going to work for you. You know, you have to figure out what works for you. And so I'm realizing it's like the thing I need to work on most is just my flexibility. Mm -hmm. And there, I mean, like build my flexibility, make sure my core is strong. And then from there, move into more of those things that I was already doing. Yeah. Um, And that's something I, I heard on a podcast. I think it was the Meteor podcast a long time ago. And they were talking about how they would go to yoga with their wives and stuff, you know. <laughs> and they were saying that you'll get injured in the in the back country much faster, or just in everyday life. Like if you've been to go under a um, under like a falling stump or something, right, uh, or a limb, you could. It might be something you do a thousand times, but all of a sudden you do it a weird way and you hurt yourself. Yeah. And so there's a lot of value inside of just flexibility, and I think that's something that. Like it's it's not hard for me to think. Oh, I need to go lift heavy and just build my strength. Right. Um, the thing that I've always overlooked is my flexibility, and so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna my lifestyle is gonna be I'm gonna go after the thing I hate most, which is stretching. <laughs> right. You <laughs> know, the, the podcast has definitely taken a turn I didn't expect it to, and it's all good because we actually uh, when we started the podcast, I would do a Friday video for our social media platforms. And I called it Fat Boy Friday, and <laughs> and just encouraging people to start, you know, exercising and living a better lifestyle, a healthier lifestyle to include some exercise. There's so many houndsmen out there that think, well, you know, I'll just hunt, I'll just I'll hunt myself into shape, and I can't tell you how many people. I mean, I can name probably a half a dozen people right now who have who have died of heart attacks mm-hmm. in the yeah. woods while they were chasing a coon dog. Um, yeah. So and, and not that we can, when your number's up, your number's up. But what I have found is, is that when I am in good physical condition, I enjoy my hunts so much more, you know, it's so much, yeah. much it's more of a pleasurable experience. And so yeah. I made the mistake a couple years ago of and it wasn't a mistake purchasing a side-by-side the mistake was being so heavily reliant on it to the point where you know if if i wasn't hunting out of my side-by-side i wasn't hunting well the last year i this this past fall i figured out that you need to get your fat butt out of the side-by-side and put in some miles and some leg work here and uh, so I took the dog box off the side by side, and I've hunted off a foot, off foot all all fall and all winter, um, yeah. and um, got back into dedicating a portion of my day to actual regimented exercise that is beneficial, and it doesn't take that much time. I mean, you're talking twenty or thirty minutes a day that can improve your quality of life and en- enhance your experience in the field as a hunter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's helped me because I live in the city um, is I I got into to road biking. You know, uh-huh. here in Fayetteville, we've got some this a thing called the Greenway and it's it's really good for cyclists just to be able to like I I've, I've gotten on there and did done a 50 mile ride before with a with a friend 
But, I mean, you can just get out and even things like that. I mean, just I think the thing that Clay told me that helped me a lot was he just says, you know, you want to have a life that's just active, you know. And he's like, you don't even have to be, like, strategic with, like, going and hitting the gym hard or anything. Just, like, have a life of movement and just being active and just, yeah. you know. and and Just get and off so your I, butt. Yeah, yeah, get out of the house. For me, like, it's like get out of the house and – I will, by nature, just go do those things if I just get out of the house. Right, you know? right. And uh, luckily, I live in northwest Arkansas now, and there's hikes, a lot of hikes. They they really have built a culture up here that is uh, is great for an outdoorsman, you know, yeah. just somebody that wants to get out. And so those are things that I'm, I'm you know, learning more and more how to utilize right. and uh, what fits my life and you know and that's going to be different from somebody else sure and uh, I, I one thing i have learned is i won't i won't ride that bike and, and when it's cold <laughs> <That's what> I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know you know and, and this obviously i've got friends of mine uh in the western states that still live pretty much the same lifestyle that lived people lived 100 years ago 150 years ago you know, they've got electricity and stuff like that. But the, the nature of their work, you know, building rock fences, building. And by and large, our culture doesn't live a lifestyle like that anymore. So, you know, 150 years ago, nobody worked out. Nobody, you know, life was a workout. And yeah. just due to our culture, then then that's where I'm saying we just need to adjust a little bit and, and make some efforts to stay engaged. So... Tell us, tell us what I want to hear the wildest adventure that you've been on with Bear Honey Magazine, and if it can be hound based, that'd be even better. <laughs> Man, I haven't had the opportunity to go with Clay on a on a hound hunt yet for Bear. Um, really? Why yeah. Why is he squeezing you out of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. The systems are getting better, uh, <laughs> but when he has gone, it, it's worked out to where I needed to be at the magazine. So, sure. whenever we would start going on hunts, we would be um, careful. We would have to be intentional about which hunts I would go on and film for, uh-huh. and then which hunts we would need to get somebody else to go film for. And so it worked out better for for me to go on, like, say, a hunt on Mo- to Montana versus a hunt out in New Mexico. Right. You know, and so that's that was the only reason it just hasn't worked out because um, because it would be like a hunt stacked after another hunt after another. And we still had this, you know, the core business is the magazine. It, it was never like any of the periphery stuff like the podcast or the mm-hmm. or the the uh, videos that we would do. And so it just worked out to where I needed to I needed to be present at the magazine to make sure that that thing was running. And but so, you're, you're filming some coon hunts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I filmed a coon hunt and a uh, squirrel hunt. It wasn't very there you crazy. Go. It wasn't very crazy, but they were they were good. Uh, I I had a lot of fun going on my squirrel hunt, uh, watching those those small dogs work. That was the first squirrel hunt with dogs I'd ever been on, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a lot different of an experience than chasing hounds, you know. Right, and that was. That was something I, I went on, and I was like, man, I could get into this. Right. Yeah, so give us your impression of, of squirrel hunting. It's your overall general impressions of uh, squirrel hunting with dogs. That's not something that we've talked a lot about. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I, I also, I kept squirrel dogs and curs for a number of years. And, uh, so give me your impression of it. Man, I love it. You know, it's, it's really enjoyable just to, I mean, it's like a stroll through the woods with your dogs and then they just go tree something, you know, yeah. and I, I enjoy, you know, growing up the way I did the, the things that I really appreciated, the things I loved most were things that you could involve a lot of people in. Mm-hmm. So I gravitated towards, you know, you know, hunting coons, hunting hogs. Um, and I really loved duck hunting, like yeah. waterfowl stuff. Cause you could just have however many guys out there if you wanted to. Um, because in my mind it was always relational. And so squirrel hunting, I think, man, I think it's a good entrance pathway, you know, just for, for people, uh, to, to come into, um, just hunting in general, you know, and, uh, you know, they talk about the hierarchy of, of, uh, what people think is okay to hunt and not. And I think there's enough people that a squirrel is just a squirrel. (laughs) Right. It's that a road. It be, yeah, it would be a, a better entrance pathway than somebody say like, "Hey, once you go bear hunting, what?" That's you know, that, that's what I've always said about you know this hound hunting lifestyle is is it's a great gateway to introducing someone to hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the most enjoyable times I've had have been out there with friends. Something crazy happens. You know, somebody's trying to pull a squirrel out of a out of a you know he shoots a squirrel and it crawls up under a log and he grabs it by the tail and it's not dead you know and all yeah. of a sudden all of a sudden it's like wow you know that gets crazy pretty quick mm-hmm. and uh you know kids i've got pictures of my kids uh walking along the trail when they're just a little bitty wearing little carhartt bib overalls and orange hats and one of my buddies gave him candy and i got a picture of him sitting there they're out there to squirrel hunt, but they were pretty intense about that getting that candy out of the wrappers. <laughs> that might be the have to be the cover photo for this uh, this episode, or I'll find yeah. one that it can be. But yeah, it's a, it's a gate it's a gateway, and then people yeah. can grow from there. But it's a great place for people to begin their journeys, and some people uh, take it as a lifelong journey. You know, they they never they never uh, they just work within this and develop their skill sets and never leave it yeah yeah you know i I think uh it it kind of broke me out of this mentality that i'd always grown up with that if you're squirrel hunting you'll see deer and if you're deer hunting you'll see squirrels (laughs) you know yeah um and so to actually be squirrel hunting and and like get some squirrels like oh right that was that was not bad (laughs) yeah yeah so primarily what types of dogs have have you uh have you been hunting with uh when i was younger well, you know, i mean it's for squirrel hunting we're, we're still on uh, i'm sorry oh, squirrel hunting yeah yeah, yeah. Here recently. No, it, it was it's just been those those uh fives that clay has uh-huh yeah those uh those dogs he's got one that's just man she's doing great um so maybe at some point if he ever decides to have a litter out of her i might have to get on the list <laughs> absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, but just you know those it. just those tree feists, you know. Uh huh. And they're yeah. a little bit bigger dog. They're a, they're probably about 18, 18 inches. Uh, they're smaller in the tree dog world, but they're bigger than than like the mountain feist. The tree feist is a little bit taller. Yeah, yeah, and they might not be a tree feist. That's just what I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they are because I know yeah. Todd Wick is where he where he got his foundation stock there. I believe right oh okay 
I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure they came from Todd, but yeah, uh, yeah it's a, uh, it's definitely a, a something something that it's like if you're a houndsman, you just enjoy watching dog work, you know, yeah. and whether it's watching a pack of beagles chase a rabbit or, uh, you know, a tree feist or a mountain curve tree a squirrel or run a bear, you know, uh, it's all, it's all good stuff. Yeah. And they're the happiest. I mean, another thing is just like, they're the happiest dogs I've ever seen, Yeah, <laughs> you know, doing yeah. what they do, what they're, what they were intended to do and they enjoy it. You know, it's not like you have to fight to get them to go in the box. You got to, you better not drop the tailgate if you don't want them in the bed of the truck. <laughs> right. <laughs> to get right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Colby, tell us what uh, what's what's in the works for Bear Hunting Magazine for 2021. Man, the, the print magazine side. Yeah, man. We're just gonna focus on on getting getting things better. We uh, I mean, I'm taking more of a role inside of it. I started writing a gun column inside of it, um, and then I have I've done a few how-to articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, and I think that's something that we're looking more into of just, you know, we try to keep it, we try to keep it to where there's something for everyone, you know, there's always going to be something for houndsmen inside of there, especially like the, uh, legendary bear hounds, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, that's been a really awesome, uh, column that's, that's been in every one of them, uh, or for the last several years. Right. Uh, and then is Jonathan Lesprince still writing for you? Yep, yep. I really enjoy that column. He, he's writing about most of his uh, stuff is out in Nevada mm-hmm. and around around that area. And, uh, yeah, that's typically, you know, I, I, I go through and I try to post a couple of articles a week. And if I could, I would have one of his every week. Right. <laughs> I just enjoy them, you know, um, yeah. because, you know, it, it – it just seems like houndsmen are so insightful, you know, if they really pay attention more than the average bear. Um, and so there's, it's kind of like, you know, if you were listening to music, a lot of times you would think that you would look at like rappers and the things that they see inside of, inside of like human conditions and everything, you'd be like, man, they really pay attention to life. But, you know, and I think inside the hunting world, it's like, if you, if you listen to houndsmen, it's like, they pay attention to things that other people don't, you know, that, that they might miss. And so, I mean, trying to even thinking of it from like a communication skill of like, you're trying to understand and comprehend what a hound is doing, even though it can't talk to you, you know? And, and whenever I was hunting, you know, it earlier in life and everything, just, uh, whoever's hounds, it was them knowing what that hound is doing and knowing which dog it is, and and what they have a tendency to do and whether they should you know just let them work it out or call them off or right if they're you know so that they they you get that knocked out you know just uh, the ability to be aware of your environment even like outside of what you can see i mean like you're using you're using more than just your eyes. You know, it's like you're understanding nuances that other people just couldn't could come in and see. Um, that's something that I've always appreciated. Um, we would we would never take away from the value of any form of hunting, but our job is to promote hound hunting. And the thing that I've noticed about houndsmen is 
they have to understand multiple multiple levels of this game to be successful. Not only do they have to understand the terrain they're hunting in, uh, the 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 hazards in that area, uh, they need to know things about the game they're pursuing. But you're adding this other living being into it in the form of the hound. And then you've got to understand that level too. So you need to know everything that a spot and stalk hunter or a tree stand hunter, a bait hunter, all those things. Plus, you know, like when you put out a bear bait, you know, there's an art to baiting bears to, to make a successful bait site, to, to, to know where to put it, what to put there, you know, those things. And then you've got to strategically put it in a place where, you can benefit from it as a houndsman. So, yeah. And you even a, have to understand it by region. Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh, because bears in one area don't eat the same thing as, like, for instance, up in Canada, they use beaver all the time in mm-hmm. their bait, their bait sites. A bear down here wouldn't touch a, anything like rotten like that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, all of them are just crazy. Like they're, they're all crafts, you know? Right. And, right. Uh, yeah. They're de- uh, an accomplished houndsman is somebody that that knows a lot of stuff. You know, they're they're working on a lot of different levels there, and mm-hmm. uh, they can't be one dimensional or two dimensional or even three dimensional. They got to be multi dimensional in order to be successful. That's why yeah. I lo- that's why I love it so much. Yeah, and I think a a successful houndsman is also um, very good, like good with communication. Like you have to be aware of like community because like the really successful houndsmen that, you know, do it for a lifetime, they have people around them, you know? Mm-hmm. They, uh, and so I think that's something else that, that it builds that you don't get from, you know, like a, some, someone that spot stalks hunts or right. stands or anything, you know? And so I think that's another thing to, to be aware of. It's like the value of community is something that you would find more in the houndsman than a lot of the other styles of hunting yeah that's a great catch because none of us can live on an island uh very few very few houndsmen can survive living on an island when you start talking about the development of of your hounds if you choose to be a breeder if uh, you know you've got to be able to interact and know where to find the things that you need to make you successful and that that causes us to be communicating with other houndsmen and living within that community so it's so important it's so important yeah and also like the value of feedback you know instead of just well so like in my mind it's like if you're if you have a line of dog or strain of dog it's like you want feedback from the guys that are hunting that line and strain of dogs of how those dogs are doing and so that's even even i mean that's much more than you get anywhere else you know know, that is that is the single biggest um, benefit for a breeder because very few people can keep everything. And yeah. so I've seen different groups of people that have been highly successful by working within a group. I know you've, you've um, interviewed Roy Clark and or Clay's interviewed him and featured him on the podcast. He's got a community of people that help him develop his line of dogs. And then you take uh, the Redwood clan from Southeast uh, uh, Ohio and it's a community of people and the, the Ed Mead crowd and you know in the blue tick world there's just people that it takes it takes a lot of people 
in order for for somebody to be successful. Yeah. 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 So. So, any other big news coming up? Can you give us a teaser? What, what are you What are you sworn to secrecy on on this new podcast? <laughs> All of it. All of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any I, idea? I, how How much of a dry spell are we going to have to go through before we uh, we start hearing the familiar voice from the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast? Man, I I don't feel like it's going to be long, but it, nothing's been set in stone. You know, yeah. I know. That they're actively working on it, uh-huh. um, you know, and, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard a little bit of it and it's going to be, it's going to be really good. Are you going to be know? involved at all with, with that new project or are you going to concentrate your efforts in Bear Hunting Magazine? You know, right now it's going to be with the magazine, mm-hmm. you know, um, with, with all of this, just making sure that we have new structures that are sustainable um, and just make sure we have something that's scalable, you know, if, you know, things were to grow that, that we have all of our ducks in a row. Um, with the podcast, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's always potential that I would be on one at some point. Um, but I don't know. We're, yeah. we're still finding it out. And it's so new that, you know, anytime you start a new endeavor, you have to find an identity for it. And then inside of that, you also have to allow that thing to, to change and migrate. And so in the beginning, it's going to, I would imagine like this would just be my guess is it would be really forming a strong identity in the beginning. Uh-huh. And then later on down the road, if it follows the same curve as anything else, it's like it'll widen just a little bit, you know. So, so and, working on flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, like, in, when you start something new, it's usually really rigid, and then it becomes a little bit more flexible. Man, I'll tell you, I can, so, I can listen back to some of my podcasts when we first started and see how rigid I was. And that's something that I had to... And I still struggle with it, you know, of not being so rigid in yeah. in the production and as a host. Yeah. So, well, Colby, like I said, uh, you got any you got anything else you want to throw out there and and add? I mean, have you ever been have you ever been the featured guest on a podcast? No. <laughs> All right, we're adding to Colby the Bear Tech Moorhead's growth right here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, Colby, I really did. I wanted to. Uh, have you got Have you got anything you want to throw out there to the crowd? Any final thoughts before we we wrap it up? No, just you know, subscribe to the magazine. <laughs> All right, tell us where Bye. tell tell people where they can subscribe to the magazine. That'd be a that'd be a good. Uh, uh, just bear hunting dot com and yeah. uh, or bear dash hunting dot com in the shop. You know, we've got some bear a bear dog design we've got out, and uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, it's like. We really do see, I mean, really one of the hearts of the magazine is really for houndsmen. You know, that's something that doesn't get highlighted as often, but I mean, really like that's, we, we really love that aspect of it. It's, it's very rewarding. I mean, we love bait hunting and spot stock hunting, um, but we really appreciate hounds. And so I think that comes through inside the magazine and man, it wouldn't be like too hard to just make make a magazine just about hounds <laughs> right right you know? yeah uh, i mean you go out there you go out there and they're just in the office with us you know yeah. so it really is like a lifestyle that you wouldn't see and uh and so i think that's a i think that's something of note to say on this particular podcast 
So. Well, I can tell you that uh, if people are not subscribing to Bear Hunting Magazine, it really is one of the highest quality publications out there right now for not only bear hunting in general, but, um, you know, for houndsmen as well. Uh, you guys got top shelf riders and, and a lot of good articles coming out there for the houndsmen. It helps develop the narrative that we all need to uh, be speaking off of the same sheet of music and it and it's beneficial for that recipes i mean it's it's not only is the content high quality but the the layout is outstanding and it's it's by far you know I, i'm not going to throw any other magazine on under the bus but there are a lot of publications old publications that have been around for a long time that are not matching the quality of bear hunting magazine so kudos to you guys it's awesome yeah i appreciate it yeah yep. we, we try hard to make sure that that it's visually good not just like the content itself you know yeah so, it is so high quality make, yeah we try to make it to where like if you just want to look through it or you want to dive in and actually pick it apart either way mm -hmm. if you want you to have a good experience right so, and it's always clean like you're not going to have to worry about your kids grabbing Right, reading something in there that you know they're going to be asking you questions about what's this word <laughs> exactly know? exactly um, and so we're really we really try to make it something that's that's safe so. well colby i just want to tell you i i appreciate all of your help and all your support that you've given given me in this podcast uh since we started even before we started everything from uh hey get this don't work don't waste your money on this you know when you do a an interview do this post-production i mean it's been your help's been invaluable and and uh i really do appreciate it yeah yeah you're welcome for sure yeah well i'm only a text away what's that <laughs> i'm a text or a phone call away <laughs> yeah i appreciate it i appreciate it so well i think i'll wrap this thing up with our session with colby the bear tech morehead one thing i we got to cover that how did you get the handle bear tech before we sign off, I knew that was a teaser. I kind of took us down a path there, but we can't leave without knowing this. It's clay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, really, he he's not really loving tech. I mean, outside of, like, his tracking collars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always, I, I grabbed onto that handle pretty quick uh, as soon as I heard it, and I don't think I've, I've identified you much as much uh with anything but the bear tech since that was hung on this so <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna keep using it man it's it's uh it's good stuff so yeah yeah cool appreciate that yep. yeah well colby until we meet again buddy you follow your hounds and i'll follow mine all right <laughs>